Hey there, we're here for episode 31 of the e-commerce opportunity where I'm joined by Kristen. How are you? Hey, I am doing well today. It is hot here in Colorado Springs, but not as hot because we got some rain yesterday. Uh, I'm feeling good today. I'm excited to be here. I'm pumped for you to be here. Are you born and raised in Colorado or did you kind of move there more so later in life? Yeah, later in life. Born and raised in Texas, which I have some conflicting feelings about Texas uh, as I've become an adult. Went to college in Iowa, met my husband who's from Minnesota, moved back to Dallas for about five months after college, hated it, was too hot, too expensive, too close to my parents as much as I love them. I was used to being far away and we'd always wanted to move to Colorado. So we just kind of packed our lives into two compact cars and brought our two dogs and just moved out here. And now we've been here for four or five years. Love it. I love that. And where you were in your career four or five years ago, were you working somewhere in an office in Colorado or have you always been remote? I have actually always been remote. I, when I graduated college, I graduated with a PR major and I tried to do the like good college graduate thing and go to a large PR firm and make my parents happy because it was a real job and there was a real office. I lasted about three weeks, uh, quit that job pretty quickly. And then since I have been remote, which has been a blessing in disguise for the last year or so, but yeah, I don't think I could function well at an office anymore. (laughs) Yeah, you you and me both. We were doing it before it was, you know, quote unquote cool, right? Or or the norm. Yeah, um, yeah. The way I work awesome. now would not be conducive for an office behavior. People would find me very strange. <laughs> well, well, good. Hopefully for your case, you know, Shopify doesn't go back to ever needing an office. And on that note, I want to talk about Shopify. You know, how long have you been there and what is your role entail there? Yeah, so I am just coming up, actually only a couple of weeks away from my one year anniversary at Shopify. So I joined last July and my role is head of resilient retail, which is a really interesting role, very unique, um, really fun. I am so lucky to have the opportunity that I do, but resilient retail is kind of our brick and mortar retail focused podcast. I think a lot of people saw, especially kind of right as the pandemic started, Shopify came and really re-released our POS. Um, That's point of sale. So any kind of retail store and from there, we really invested in like, these were the merchants that needed the most help during the pandemic. So there was this opportunity to start speaking to this this market of merchants. And so I was brought on to kind of build the beginnings of that, you could say top of funnel or audience growth, or for me, just like storytelling and connecting to these merchants. So Shopify can better understand them. We can better serve them now and in the future. And uh, yeah, I get to talk to people who are smarter than me all day. And I don't know how I got so lucky to have that job, but it's fantastic. Wow. So if I understood correctly, you're basically a full-time podcaster slash content creator. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And the cool thing about Resilient is in its essence, it looks a lot like a podcast, but also at the same time, it really is this strategic, what I call like a waterfall flow of content where a podcast interview is really just, in my opinion, one of the best ways to start with kind of like a flywheel of content because I can take one interview and turn it into tweets and tweet storms and LinkedIn posts and Instagram posts and a blog and a video and all these other things. So resilient while it looks and I do call it like a podcast because that is our hero content, if you would say, it is the beginning of like an ecosystem of content and support for brick and mortar retailers. I love that. I got a bunch of questions. One is what were you doing before this and how did you kind of, you know, get or fall into the opportunity of of leading and kind of running this new or, or this department? 
Yeah. So before I was at Churnbuster, which is a smaller startup, and we really help to drive customer retention for e-commerce brands, specifically e-commerce brands with subscriptions. That was kind of like what the tech did was a very specific part of that subscription journey. And so when I was there, we made this shift from marketing kind of to B2B SaaS and then over to e-commerce with subscription. And in that shift, my job really became, because I was head of growth and community and marketing, I was the only marketer on the team. My job was basically get to know the industry, get to know the people, what do they need help with? How can we provide them with that help? And so within that kind of two and a half year journey, I, you know, I've come from a content background from the beginning of my career, but that kind of evolved into, okay, I think we should start a podcast. And that team had been in like podcasting before. So they had seen the success. I remember the first time my old boss, Matt Goldman asked me if I wanted to start a podcast. I like laughed at him. Like I was like, no way. Like I'm the weird shy girl who sits behind the computer and just types and that's it. Uh, eventually we did end up starting a podcast there about e-commerce customer retention. Um, there was just this understanding that like retention was starting to get its legs in the D2C community. And like people are starting to say, oh, growth at all costs isn't really working. And so we realized really quickly customer retention only happens like between a customer and a brand. So it's not like you can just go Google, like what is Quip doing for customer retention and get great answers from that. So the podcast was a way to kind of get behind the doors of that. And so there at Churnbuster, you know, I started that first podcast I've ever done. We built a Slack community. We built a newsletter that people still message me about. It was really this idea of like, we have to create authority. So I created a content ecosystem that kept people coming back to us. Eventually, there's also sales there. So I was there for about two and a half years. We had a very natural separation where the company needed you know, kind of more of the conversion bottom funnel marketer. I had learned that I had this skill and passion for audience building and community and podcasting that I had no idea I had. And so we we had a very natural separation. It took about eight weeks off just to figure out like, what does this mean for my career that I've learned this entirely new skill set and I don't know what to do with it. So I took some time off. I built my community on Twitter some more. I just talked to as many people as I could. And then eventually I got a DM from somebody at Shopify that said, hey, Kristen, I'm uh, building this retail team at Shopify. Uh, his name is Matt Nelson. Shout out to Matt Nelson. And they had this kind of idea for Resilient Retail, which previously was a live event series. And they had to kind of scrap the idea due to timing and resources. And so he kind of came to me with this open invitation of like, I've got this idea and this platform of education and storytelling. And I just feel like you'd be really good at hosting this and kind of tearing down the idea of blowing it up and rebuilding it to what we really need it to be. So after, you know, a couple of conversations of that, kind of hard to say no to that opportunity. So <laughs> here I am. That's incredible. I love that. So in terms of like, you know, you as like an individual and you as like a personal brand and then kind of Shopify and resilient retail, um, which do you lead with, right? Like, are you one and the same? Are you two separate people? Like, are you got kind of like what I'm asking basically saying like, yeah. you know, for example, I, I knew you, but the only reason I knew of resilient retail is because I knew you, right? You know, how, how do you think about like a personal brand and kind of like a personality like yourself and then the podcast? Yeah, this is a tricky conversation because even in my like professional versus personal life, sometimes I'm like, my friends who know me just socially like would never 
understand or expect me to host a podcast. Like I remember my mom, when I sent her, one of my first interviews was like, who are you? I didn't know you could talk like that. So I already have this kind of weird dichotomy sometimes between my personal personality and my professional personality, something I'm trying to really bring together with the podcast. It adds another layer of that saying that like, okay, I represent Shopify, but I also am representing myself and my own ideals. And I am, you know, KLF or the mayor of D2C Twitter. So I'm kind of managing almost two brands at the same time. The way I've started to think about it is I don't want resilient to just be Kristen LaFrance. And I don't want Kristen LaFrance just to be resilient. So the way I've kind of separated those two is Resilient can follow me as something that I've built and something that I can use to empower other voices, but I am still my own voice as well. So really thinking about how can I show up as Kristen LaFrance and then how can Resilient support that brand and vice versa? When I show up on the podcast, can I show up as, you know, Kristen LaFrance, the host of Resilient Retail but also my personal brand and my personal voice coming into those as well. It is a constant kind of figuring that out. And I am still in the process of doing it. I'm about to actually take a couple of weeks off after my season two ends and map out a little bit more of how I manage these two things, because it is, it's tricky because I don't want to be on Twitter and only posting resilient retail because there's so much else that I want to talk about and so many other reasons people follow me. So it's, How can the two help each other? Again, how can I just create like this environment of value around me in different channels, whether that's a podcast or Twitter or a newsletter of my own or the resilient retail newsletter? It's a it's a weird, fun balance. It's a constant game. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's super interesting. I love the way that you explained it. I do want to talk about now, like obviously Shopify is great. I think what you're doing there is awesome, but I want to talk about you. So outside of you know resilient retail, you have your Twitter and a really strong personal brand. I want to talk about the story or kind of the context of like the mayor of D2C Twitter, because I think that's awesome. Um, I want to talk about the Slack group that you, I guess, accidentally founded or started. Um, mm-hmm. So can we just talk about like the personal brand and kind of the community that you built? Like how long have you been doing the Twitter or the personal brand? Um, which came first? You know, can you kind of walk me through that? Yeah. So the the whole personal brand and Twitter and becoming like, a quote thought leader, which is always such a weird thing to even say about yourself or for other people to say to you. Uh, You're like, I'm just telling you what's in my crazy brain. If you think it's smart, like great, but (laughs) it's not something I'm doing on purpose. I mentioned that kind of shift with Turnbuster where we went into D2C really heavily. And it was this incredible opportunity where my job became become an influencer, become a thought leader, get to know the community, figure out what's going on. And so in that journey, I just became really like inundated with the community. I talked to as many people as I could, not picking their brain, just like, tell me what's going on in your life. What are you doing? What are you working on? And I've been kind of around the world of e-commerce in my entire career, but it was the first time I really like dug very deep in. And I obviously found this, you know, there is this D2C community on Twitter and I saw it as an opportunity for the brand and myself to learn So I just started interacting and that was, I I don't know, three, two, three years ago that I kind of started that. And then from there, I just noticed that people were just sharing their thoughts and their perspectives. And I think in e-commerce, a perspective is one of the biggest assets you can have. Like I tell, especially recent college grads all the time who want to get into D2C, like 
honestly, all I did was start shopping with these brands and then telling people how I felt about the experience. And that boiled into being called a quote expert, but it's really just a different perspective and a different voice in the community. So within that kind of like last year, year and a half at Churnbuster between the podcast, between going deep on Twitter, sharing my thoughts, just trying to kind of test out like, do I have a place in this community? People started really engaging with me and people liked my thoughts and people liked hearing like almost this fresh consumer perspective of I'm, you know, I, I am a marketing expert, but I am not a D2C expert when I came in. So I'm more of just a consumer perspective. And it was really fun to do and having the content background of how to deliver that information. So that has been kind of going on for a while. Becoming mayor of D2C Twitter, I'm still not sure how this happened. Uh, I'm not sure how I got this fake title that's fantastic and I love it. Uh, I think it eventually became this thing where I'm somebody who's, I'm like a peacekeeper and I'm like, let's all stay focused on what's important here. And the biggest thing about this industry is there is no like, there's not really a specific playbook or benchmark or exactly what every single brand should do. So every voice and every opinion and every perspective really does matter. And so I became the person on Twitter when I saw kind of the like stupid fighting over a detail or like, you don't know what you're talking about, or this isn't right. This is wrong. I kind of became the person who would just come and be like, Hey guys, is this really worth our time? Like, do we really need to be arguing about this? Like if it worked for that brand, great, let's just be happy for them. And so I think I kind of, kind of became known as the the person who would just be like, Nope, we're not going to do that here. We're not going to do that. Hey, let's make sure this person gets in the conversation. Um, Really just trying to like foster people to come together And so somebody called me mayor of D2C Twitter, and then a couple more people called it. And then there was some like fake conversation about a fake voting for my campaign. And eventually I was like, if you guys are going to keep calling me this, I'm going to put it in my Twitter bio. (laughs) Now I have that. Um, And then through that, you know, at Churnbuster, I mentioned I started a Slack group. We started a community there. And it really just started out as like a place for me to connect with the closest people, the closest friends I had made in the Twitter Twitter sphere, because Twitter DMs kind of suck. So I wanted to be able to just like talk to these people who became my friends. And now, you know, two years later, I'm looking at a Slack group that has over 700 members and people are constantly talking about how amazing the community is. And I'm like, I had no plans for this thing. I literally just kind of started building an area where I could trust the people that were in the community. And now it's grown. And now we have some like cool ideas to to do. But often I like log into the Slack and I'm like, oh my goodness, I should really organize this and do something with it. It was a happy accident that I kind of developed that Slack group. So cool. I think I've been a member of your Slack group for maybe about six or so months. And it's really cool that the fact that like it kind of got built by accident, right? It really means it was just like mm-hmm. genuine and organic and you have the right people in there because it seems like, you know, someone's now running like AMAs and they hit me up to do an AMA and I did an AMA like I think last week or something, right? And like, there's just a bunch of cool stuff that happens. People are posting about jobs and opportunities um, and everyone's just really friendly. It seems like they want to like make each other better and therefore the community yeah. gets better. I think, and I tweeted this not not too long ago, but there are kind of two ways to build, like, I think I called it your empire, but whatever you want to call it, your community, your empire, your friend circle, your network. And I think one way is to build it on your own and to grind and to be the face of everything. And that's a fantastic way to do it. 
I think what happened with the D2C fam is that I got really lucky. And I also just figured I don't have time to do this as a full-time job. So I'm going to empower my community to grow themselves. And so now you're seeing like, we've empowered other moderators to come in and yet somebody's running AMAs and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening, but it looks fantastic. And everybody's very happy with it. So really like, and it's so hard for creators too, because it, it means you have to let go of your control and it's called, you know, D to C fam by KLF. But I don't even think that many people know that I'm necessarily the owner of it because I allowed my community to build the quote unquote empire with me, for me, and to be empowered by it on their own. And I think that has really driven that super organic, like we don't have arguments. We don't have that many moderator issues. I think I've maybe kicked out like one person for being too promotional and that was it. There's so many amazing things that are happening. And I think it's just because all the members feel like the space really is theirs and it's not, they're not being sold to. It's not a company that owns it. It's just a place where people can honestly grow together. And that's what like, that's why I love D2C so much is because those brands really, really do want to help each other like that. Yeah, I think you nailed that. I'm in so many Facebook groups and I'm in so many Slack groups. And um, again, like there's nothing wrong with them, but like you can tell the quality is kind of like a hit or a miss because mm-hmm. people are so promotional and everyone's self-serving. Whereas I think yours is probably like one of a, a you know a handful of communities I'm in where I really feel like everyone is doing it very selflessly, right? Like it's not selfish. It's very selfless. Everyone's putting it you know, towards others. And if it helps them out in return, then, then great. Um, so that's awesome. So in terms of like some of the things that you're thinking about to kind of, to, to, I guess, round this out, like, are there any like, you know, interesting businesses that you've come across, whether it's on like the, you know, agency offering this service where like, oh, wow, I think that's really interesting. Or have you seen any kind of cool products lately? You're like, wow, I think that market actually might grow as people start getting back to normal life. Like, do you have like any one or two ideas that you can share of things that you've seen that were cool um, or just areas of opportunity that you're kind of thinking about? Ooh, this is a good question. Um, one of the coolest things I have been kind of seeing and watching is the the audio channel just in general. Obviously, I'm a podcaster, so I'm privy to audio channels. I love to talk if you can't tell. Oftentimes, I'm like, Kristen, you need to shut up and let them ask questions. Uh, but there is this, this new idea of how is audio going to impact D2C brands And, you know, we've seen Clubhouse, we've seen some issues with Clubhouse, you've seen Twitter spaces, you've seen Facebook try to invest in this. Everybody's thinking about audio because one of the best ways to connect with somebody is literally just to talk to them and to get off the scripted things, to get off the perfect content, just have communications. Um, Space app is one that I'm really, really excited about, founded by somebody in our community who is really working to build it for these kind of entrepreneurs. And he's looking at what is a, what is an audio chat community platform look like for a D2C brand? Can somebody like Outdoor Voices host kind of off-the-cuff chats with their customers? That is something that just in the D2C space I'm watching because I find it so interesting and just an opportunity to community build in a way that's low cost, uh, low investment, but high output because you're getting really deep connection with customers. Obviously, the other one I'm going to say is retail because I host a podcast called Resilient Retail. And I have seen so many cool trends come out of the pandemic. There was this whole conversation last March that like the retail apocalypse is here and e-commerce is going to take over retail and retail is dead. 
And if anything, we're seeing like this emergence, re-emergence, renaissance of retail where it's serving a new purpose for a lot of consumers. It's serving a new purpose for a lot of brands, but a lot of brands are investing in it. And especially we're seeing a lot of digitally native brands invest into retail because consumers are wanting to get back out, connect with people, have visceral, real experiences, not behind a screen, not on Zoom. And the industry is really, really exciting to me because I think you're going to see a lot of changes. I think we're going to see a lot of kind of community building in retail. It provides a really big opportunity for local small retailers, like the you know local coffee shop that's two blocks away from me now can actually really compete with the Starbucks that's the other two blocks away from me. And all of that put together is really, really exciting for me. So I think the things I'm looking at are kind of what I'm always looking at, right? Different ways of customer engagement and then seeing how the offline and online are starting to play in more tandem for a lot of these brands. And also watching D2C who, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, we were like, retail is dead. D2C is the way to go. We're never going to go into retail and margins don't make sense. And now we're seeing lots of D2C enter retail. So it's exciting. I think those are the two major areas I'm looking at. I love that. That's an awesome answer. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. This was funny. This was incredible. This was entertaining. (laughs) This was valuable. Thank you so much. What is the best way or ways for people to learn more about you, follow along on your journey? Yeah. Uh, Twitter is obviously my most active social media. I am at KD LaFrance. LaFrance is spelled like L-A, the country France. I am always surprised that I have to explain that to people, but I do. Uh, Resilient Retail is on every audio podcast platform. You will find my face on a bright red cover photo. All of our conversations are also on YouTube. And then I am trying to be better at being active on Instagram because I have so many cute dog pictures. Uh, So that's Kristen.LaFrance on Instagram. Awesome. I'll include your handles below. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you so much, Chase. Of course. Bye.